along to the Click Technology Show, the show that talks about what's happening out there in the cutting-edge world of technology today. I'm Hilary Johnson. Okay, so we've got a special show for you today. You could call it the special edition Dublin Web Summit Click Technology Show because I headed out to the Dublin Web Summit. That was on in the RDS last week and got talking to many, many interesting people and recorded the interviews for your listening pleasure here today on the show. Now, for those of you who don't know what the Dublin Web Summit is, it's a massively impressive expo held in Dublin where the founders of the likes of Twitter, YouTube, Skype and over 100 international entrepreneurs, investors and influencers having spoken over the last two years with thousands of attendees joining from around the world. In short, so those two years, the Dublin Web Summit has grown from a small conference to the second largest tech conference in Europe. And this year it might have even become Europe's largest tech conference. Throughout the show, I'll also be telling you the usual latest tech and games news this week. So first up at the Web Summit on Thursday, I was talking to two guys from Galway who have come up with a really great idea. Ronan and Dermot, tell me about Fixational. Uh, well, Fixational, we make apps that are controlled using your eye movements. So our software sits in the background of any mobile app and analyzes the user's uh, eye movements through the forward-facing camera. So this is a new way of controlling your devices without having to touch the screen. It's in the same kind of area as um, hand gesture control and voice control. So um, it doesn't replace these things, but it kind of sits alongside them. The idea being that uh, voice control like Siri on your iPhone is really powerful, but it's, it's not very discreet. You're not going to be able to use it sitting on the bus or, or sitting on the couch with your family. Uh, you look a bit crazy. So it's a, it's a new way of uh, interacting with these devices in situations where your hand might be full, your hands might be busy. So um, imagine a um, uh, you're reading a recipe on the iPad while you're preparing some food and you want to flick the page but without getting food on the screen. You can use your eyes to, to switch to the next page. Imagine you're, imagine you're uh, at the gym and you're training on, a, on the cross trainer and you're reading an ebook and you want to again get to the next page without having to touch, fumble and touch the screen. So that's the kind of uh, scenarios we're talking about. So it monitors your eye movements. And how does it, how can it tell the difference between you just looking at a page and you actually wanting to change a page? Yeah, so what we do is we, we're detecting deliberate eye gestures. So the, the most basic and kind of obvious one that we started with is um, wink detection. So uh, our first couple of apps are, are based around our wink detection engine where we monitor if one eye is open and one eye is closed. And it's a real kind of uh, deliberate gesture as opposed to blinks and just eye, general eye movement. So that's the way we make it a bit easier to to, uh, to determine what's going on. And that's Wink Cameras. Is Wink Camera, apps, yeah. Is yeah, it, we've released it into the App Store um, about six weeks ago and it's done really well. We've been really blown away by the response. Um, and is, it, is it on Android as well? Or is uh, it just we're, we're working on an Android version. We have a prototype here today that we've been showing people and um, it should be on Android in the next month as and well. And then you'll have to figure out with the Windows Store as well. Oh, we've been over talking to Josh and Microsoft and that, that that's on the, on, the, on the pipeline as well. It's just getting the time and the manpower to do it is, is the big challenge. And so you guys are from Gold? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah I'm from Mayo, Germans from Galway, sorry, and yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we ba both. we're based in Galway, and um, in uh, we're based on campus in NUI Galway in the technology transfer office. Um, we uh, went to uh, NUI Galway. We did a PhD in computer vision, and um, we learned an awful lot of technology then that we actually can implement now into these new apps. Um, so that's how we developed them. And when did you come up with the idea for? When did you? When did it become a business? Um, probably about a year and a half, two years ago. We uh, finished our postgrads and uh, just kind of decided that we were, wanted to get into startups and I threw around some ideas. So last year, we, we, um, the company was quite different. We, we were looking at doing uh, eye tracking for the internet advertising industry, so remote focus groups. We monitored people's eyes over webcams. But um, 
through really um, we moved to Dublin and went uh, the NDRC Launchpad program and that's really a great helped. program it's a phenomenal program really great and it, it really helped us kind of test the, our assumptions and our business model and get out of the building and go talk to uh, potential customers and we realised that the technology we were building we didn't quite have the right fit the right application for it so we've changed it's it's all mobile now and we're, we're looking at a completely kind of different application of it and um, uh, things have moved much faster since then so how can people find you? Fixational.com is uh, We're on Fixational.com. We're at Fixational on Twitter. And search for Fixational in the App Store and our apps will come up. And yeah. wink, wink cameras in wink the App camera. Store. Oh, no, it's free for this week, so um, get it while you can. <laughs> Keep an eye out for our Wink Reader. who should be coming out in the next month or so as well for Android. That was Ronan O'Malley and Dermot O'Cool and the guys behind Fixational. My next interview was with another Galway man, a Mr. Gavin Duffy, who is leading pioneering work in the realm of 3D simulation. Gavin, tell me a bit about RealSim. Uh, RealSim is a company which reconstructs the real world uh, on game engine platforms. So uh, we take ma high resolution mapping data and rather than use traditional geographic information systems which cannot handle uh, large amounts of, of image data that you would have in, in reconstructing the real world, we utilize the, the, the power and the, the, and the the processing graphics capabilities of, of game engine technologies to produce uh, highly realistic and geo-referenced simulations of, uh, of the real world. So what kind of examples of some projects have you done in the past or have you got currently our, running? Our, our main application from the beginning has been in planning and development. So we started in 2007 when Ireland was going through a construction boom and a lot of development was happening uh, with very little uh, good uh, visual assessment. Uh, so what we were doing was reconstructing the world, being able to simulate proposed development and being able to see it in, in, in every context. Uh, and some of the examples would be Galway Harbour Company are proposing uh, a very large new port, the largest uh, port development uh, in the west of Ireland, hopefully. And it has required a lot of stakeholder consultation and people have been able to fly to the, bring, bring them to their front door, say this is what it's going to look like from your house. Uh, we've been able to look at different design options, we've been able to go out to sea and look back, uh, all on the fly and toggle on and off different scenarios and really it, it, it is the very, very best uh, way to look at how the world could be before you turn us on. Um, and then tell us about real, real sim games. You well, have a game. Yeah. Noise, well, it? yeah. Uh, the company's called Real Sim Games. It's entirely not a, a game. Uh, it's built on a game platform. Yeah. Um, so as well as visualizing in the future, you can also go back in time and see how the world did look like at yeah, some point in the brilliant. past. So yeah. personally, I have a big interest in history and heritage, yeah. and and its uniqueness, I guess, is the fact that it's it's the first 3D app which is geo-referenced. Um, in other words, uh, most ge uh, geolocated apps are 2D augmented reality where they're superimposing images on top of the camera view. We don't use a camera view. Why do you need to look through the camera to see what's in front of you? You simply look at the phone uh, and uh, when you're there on site, as you walk around, you're walking through the scene. As you turn, it turns with you because it's connected to the compass. So it's a window into the past. And when you're not there, the big advantage is somebody in LA or San Francisco can just use simple touchscreen navigation and explore it. Uh, right. w without the need to be there to add the context that the 2D augmented reality ones require. So how can people find you? What's your website? Uh, realsim.ie um, is the, uh, the city simulation or realsimgames.ie and you'll find uh, a link to the app on Realsim Games. 
That was Gavin Duffy there telling us about his work with 3D simulation in his company, Real Sim. Now, another company with a similar name but very different idea is Realize. And I met up with their technology director, Elnar Hajiev, at the Dublin Web Summit to find out a bit more about what they do. So, Elnar, tell me about Realize. Um, Realize is a company that develops uh, a technology that is in the computer vision field. What we do is we recognize uh, face and then facial features and then start tracking them to extract facial expressions. And we are able to convert those facial expressions into emotions that people are eliciting when they're exposed to some visual content. And then there's a lot of applications of this technology, but we currently have one particular business application on which we're working, and that is um, TV uh, and online video advertisements. So we're testing TV and online advertisements with this technology. Okay, brilliant. And where else do you see this using, like where in the future do you see Realize being used other than just in advertising? Well, uh, the core technology um, is really general. So we have developed an SDK that can be plugged into any other application. Um, it can be uh, used on mobile phones. We're working in that direction on mobile devices. Um, it can be used in, in many different areas. So, uh, you know, the immediate one that springs into mind usually is gaming. Yeah. So you could, you could uh, track emotions as people play games. Okay. Um, other applications include uh, surveillance uh, or you can use it in, let's say, interviewing uh, people online. So you want to track their emotions as you do the interview over Skype. Okay. Um, where can people find out more information about this? Um, they can go to our website, which is www.realizeit.com. And real eyes is like real human eyes. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, a, um, it's a trick with the words. Realize, um, realize. I got it. Yeah. yeah and there's a, there's a demo. Uh, for this specific business application which we're, which we're developing and focusing on right now, which is TV advertisement testing. Um, they can participate in the test themselves and, and see how the technology works to get their emotions. And they can also uh, log in into the analytics uh, portal that usually our clients see once they have their advertisement tested and they see the emotional profile of their, of their advertisement, you know, what emotions does it elicit, uh, you know, at what point in time does the emotion, like let's say positive emotions go up and negative go down. So that was Eleanor with Realize. And now the idea behind Realize is actually so technologically advanced, it's, it's kind of a little scary, scary but exciting. And if that wasn't enough for you, the next team I interviewed are just as cutting edge, if not even more futuristic than Eleanor's idea. Smart Things won the Dublin Web Summit's Spark of Genius startup competition. And I got Ben Edwards, one of the guys behind Smart Things, to fill us in on exactly why. Ben, tell me about Smart Things. Smart Things is uh, about bringing the uh, physical and digital worlds together. Uh, we think that once you uh, create software smarts for physical devices, uh, the possibilities are endless for what you can do. I can give you a few examples. Uh, we've created a series of devices that um, can uh, make your home smarter by plugging uh, appliances and lamps into them, by putting them on doors or cabinets, and by uh, putting like, motion sensors around. And we also have a thing called a smart tag. A uh, smart tag is uh, something that you carry around or you stick somewhere or put on your dog's collar and it can actually tell that, that you're there. Um, 
And, uh, so what does it do for the dog and what does it do for the lamps? Okay, uh, so the smart tag for the dog um, could give me a text message if it leaves the area of my ho house and yard. So oh, if it gets okay. without, outside of a 50 meter radius or something, then I'll get a text message and then I'll be much, it'll be much quicker to know that my dog has run away. Yeah. Um, for the, for the, lamps. for the lamps, we can uh, basically have a whole series of uh, events happen when I come in. So because uh, my house knows that I'm there, it can turn on my lamps for me when I leave. It can turn them off automatically no more looking for switches and, and turning things off so we just think uh, you know the houses should be more aware of its state and where we are in it and uh, sort of present present options Many of you probably use Dropbox in your day-to-day -day business life or at least you will have heard of Dropbox and definitely unless you've been living under a rock for the last two to three years you'll be familiar with the buzzwords of cloud storage and I got to sit down and have a quick chat with Dan Levin, CEO or COO sorry, of Box to hear about his thoughts on the cloud and what he calls the post-PC era of what we are living in today. Dan, tell me about Box. Box is a cloud-based content management and sharing system that businesses use, all kinds of businesses all over the world. Cool. And so you were speaking here yesterday. What were you speaking about? I talked about the consumerization of IT. So this is the idea that workers in big companies are bringing technology into the office now. Mm -hmm. Particularly, of course, mobile phones and stuff like that. But also software and tools that they find and love in their day-to-day -day life. So products like uh, Box, obviously, and Evernote and stuff like that. And then I talked a little bit about... Uh, later in the day, at the end of the cloud session, about the fact that mobile phones and tablets are really going to change the world of IT and technology as we know it. And I, we think it's going to create another billion knowledge workers around the world. Right, because you did say that um, it was, it was, you know, in your talk you are talking about a little bit about how this is um, kind of helping and mobilizing workers, which were, a workforce which were never really there before. How's, how's that in your opinion? <laughs> it's really it's really interesting stuff. So, you know, guys with hard hats and hip waders out on construction sites that you never would have thought of as a knowledge worker. Yeah. But now with mobile phones being as capable as they are and tablets in lots of different sizes, Apple's even coming out with a small iPad, I hear. Um, it's turning these guys into knowledge workers. They're using these incredibly powerful tools out on construction sites and when they're fixing aircraft engines and in hospitals and all kinds of places that, you know, traditionally were not sites where you'd find computers. Yeah, and I think you described in the title that it was the post-PC. The post-PC era, that's yeah. right. Yeah, um, do, do you see PCs becoming fairly obsolete soon and that will just be obviously technology is getting smaller and, and faster with every I think it's every three months it gets like twice as small twice as fast and twice as small yeah. now don't quote me on that one that yeah. can be that be totally wrong like yeah. but I remember hearing that at one stage but um how do you how, or, um, elaborate more on your post PC era so it used to be that you had a PC and it had an Intel microprocessor and it ran Microsoft Windows and everybody else had a same machine on their desk and you could go into any business anywhere around the world and that was really the the Microsoft vision right a PC on every desk but now you go into businesses around the world and you see all kinds of different computing devices you see lots and lots of Macintosh computers uh, I use a Mac computer much of the time although I also have a PC laptop but you also see Android phones and iPads and tablets of all different sizes and descriptions and, and I do think that you know that sort of box under your desk, the, the classic PC is a thing of the past really. It's going to be laptops and then tablets and then all kinds of different 
smaller form factor devices that we take with us wherever we go. And I know Box is cloud um, storage, so how is what new developments are there in Box to kind of move along with this post-PC era? Well, there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on. One of the big challenges with uh, having lots of different devices, and some of them are tablets and phones, is that we use lots of different apps that we download from the App Store, and each app wants to store its data in its own little data silo. So one of the things that we've just announced is something called Box One Cloud, and that provides sort of a central cloud repository that over 200 applications just on iOS can read from and store to. And so that way, instead of having your data in lots of different little silos, all of your stuff is in one place, but can, you can still use all your favorite apps to, to read it or edit it or annotate it or fax it or sign it. And that's, that's very attractive, especially in businesses where they, they want to know what's going on with their stuff. You know, they don't want to get it getting out of their control. Now, we're going to take a quick break from the Web Summit now to fill you in on what's been happening in the rest of the tech world this week. The Apple iPad Mini is coming out on October 23rd. Tim Cook and his mariachis are presenting the new ultra-thin, ultra-light, magical and slightly smaller iPad at 1pm Eastern Time Eastern Time, and 10am Pacific Time at the Californian Centre in San Jose tomorrow. So get your Google on tomorrow if you want to see that. Tonight, however, myself and the Click team are heading over to a special Medal of Honor Warfighter and Need for Speed Most Wanted launch where we'll be talking rugby stars Rob and Dave Carney and Donegal heroes Eamon and Neil McGee and Irish, Irish alternative rock band Roy Seven who'll be playing at it about the latest entry in the long running Need for Speed series and Medal of Honor series which will be launching uh, in the next two weeks we'll have the camera crew out tonight too so head along to clickonline.com over the next few days to see those interviews on Click TV but before we actually interview them we want you to tweet us in your questions for the guys if you have anything you'd like to ask the Kearney brothers or Eamon and Neil McGee or even Roy Seven tweet us at Click online underscore and let us know. Now, before the news, we had interviews with people from the more technical side of life at the recent Web Summit. I know it's a tech show, so that makes no sense, but you'll kind of understand what I mean when you hear the next the next interviews because coming up, interviews because coming up now in the show, we're going to interviews for you, which will probably spark huge interest in those of you who are social media enthusiasts. First up is Polarize, and Matt Munro was on hand to tell us about it. So tell me about Polarize. Uh, so Polarize is a decision-making platform. So the idea is if you're trying to choose between two products or you know activities or just trying to decide whether or not you should do something or it's right for you, you go onto our app, you create a binary question, um, then you push it out to your social networks, people come back, they vote, they can give a justification, and you crowdsource your decision-making process. Oh, very good. Uh, in a nutshell, anyway. Yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah. And when did you come up with this idea? Um, came up with this idea in March. I was trying to. I was, oh yeah, we're. I mean, full time. We're only about three and a half months old. So we started in March at London Startup Weekend. Um, I went along and pitched the idea there. Um, we put the team together, uh, the core team together at Startup Weekend, which we won. Um, and then on the back of that, we applied to the Waver Incubator in London. Um, got into that at the end of May and started full time at the start of July. So there's three of us full time, one of us part time. Um, and yeah, and our first version of our app got approved yesterday. Brilliant. So uh, we are in the App Store. So as of today, yeah. it's in Apple. Yes, it's, it's, I, it's, I, it's iOS only at the moment. Uh, okay. We, we want to do Android and we want to do tablet specific versions. Yeah. Um, but with such a small team, that's sort of yeah. further down the line. And then you'll have to attack Windows at the Windows Store as well. <laughs> at some point, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I do like the design of Windows, but yeah. it's whether or not the user base is. Uh, 
is there to warrant, you know, to warrant it at the moment. Do you think so, it could be used for, you know, politics as well and kind of mass movement things, yeah, so ideas and causes? Some, some of the people we've been talking to uh, are sort of pushing that quite heavily. So we're trying to set up a uh, meeting with YouGov. Uh, in the UK and a couple of other sort of political movers and shakers uh, and the idea would be that we'd give them access to the same analytical data that we give brands access to so when a, when a normal user votes you can sort of see how they voted and why but we'll give brands and you know politi- political parties access to demographic breakdowns votes over time so if you're trying to track how sentiment to a question has changed um, and sort of like model respondents and stuff like that so. sounds like a great idea guys so it's polarized.me uh, polarized.me two l's and a z another company tapping into the social media sphere for business ideas is taploid and andrew scott is here to tell us what that's all about andrew tell me about the taploid okay so the taploid is a digital tabloid for your social graph and for listeners that's taploid with a p not a b that's correct tabloid with a p um, and we suck in all your friends' social data from Facebook and other places, and then we analyze that, and each week we create an online magazine, if you like, uh, full of fun and interesting stories about your friends. So we look for birth, death, marriages, someone gets really drunk, you know, and we create, and that analyzes the data, and then we create stories about those events. And is, what's the privacy settings like on this? Is it you, you nominate friends to get their stories tabloided, or... Like, how is it? Because some people might not want this to happen to them. And, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, is it like it goes up onto your web? It goes up onto your website, and then people are okay, given yeah. access so, to see so those stories. Just friends, certain friends are given so, access. So, I mean, the way you need to think about it is that we we get to see the tabloid gets to see what you get to see about your friends, so and then we only we only then publish stories to you that you would be able to see anyway. Okay, so, so not everybody can see. No, exactly. See. So it's not, it's, not, it's not very public, it's personalised. So if you have um, friends in common that are also on the tabloid, then they'll be able to see some of the stories you, you can see and you'll be able to gauge because you share that friendship. But if, if you, had, you had a friendship that, that you know, someone's published an update, say it's only to you or a small group, then the story that's created from that update will only be visible to those people. Great. So we respect Facebook's privacy settings. Good, good. So it's, it just uses anything which is set on public as opposed yeah. to like... So a good example would be, say if my co-founder, Reg, he, uh, he checked into a bar on Monday, checked into a bar Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now, those, those, those check-ins might not appear on your Facebook timeline because they're perhaps not that interesting. They're a small piece of data. But if on Friday in the tabloid, we, we run a story saying, hey, is your buddy Reg becoming an alcoholic? Because he's been in the bar five times this week. That's the sort of thing we, we'd, we'd run. Cool. So what's the website again? So it's thetaploid.com. Now, if you're one of those people whose regular lunchtime rituals involves at some point going on broadsheet.ie to check out the latest satirical observations of the country, and I myself am included here, I'm a bit of a lunchtime broadsheet addict, then this guy, this next guy in his digital startup might be of special interest to you. His name is Andrew Milani and his company is called Newswhip. So Andrew, tell me about Newswhip. So what we do is we monitor how quickly news stories travel through Facebook and Twitter, and based on the amount of conversation or how quickly people are reacting to them, we rank them and uh, you can view top stories in many locations around the world from Ireland to New Zealand to America or in topics like fashion to art or baseball. And so it's literally just a news feed but it's monitoring what's what you actually need, what people actually yeah. want what to What people hear, are right? talking about in real time, yeah, yeah. Okay, in Facebook and Twitter. And yeah. so it just feeds from Facebook and Twitter? Um, well, actually how we do it is we actually monitor the, um, the news sources themselves. So we monitor 6,000 news sources across the world. It puts out about 80,000 URLs each day. And then 
from once we find the news, then we go and score it off Facebook. So we get the we find the news by constantly crawling it around, around finding yeah. all the content, and then after that, we score it off Facebook. Facebook tells us basically if the news is worth anything to anyone. And when did you come up with this? How, how new is Newswith? Uh, the site's been up for about a year and uh, the concept was born about 18 months ago, a little, a little bit beforehand. So we were developing for a while, get basic prototypes up and we've been adding on ever since. So we started with English language, then we moved into uh, Portuguese and Spanish and uh, we've also built a professional product. Um, we've moved into... Uh, a, a pro product spike which is used for uh, media professionals journalists people who have to update blogs themselves looking for content see what's actually happening what's your job in it? I'm the Are CTO you? so I built the whole thing Andrew thanks so much for talking to us not at all that was Andrew Milani of Newswhip. Now, does anybody remember when mobile phones were literally just becoming available on the market way back when Motorola and Nokia owned the market? There was so much concern about radiation levels emitted from phones and two guys at the Web Summit, Gail Friedlander and Ori Goshen, are still concerned about radiation. And I must say, they brought me back on a little trip down memory lane with their app, Talk On. So Gail and Ori, tell us about Talk On. Okay, so Talk On is a mobile application. Currently, we're supporting all Android phones. And once you download, it runs in the background. Uh, we detect when your own phone's mobile radiation spikes during a call and provide you simple, actionable alerts that you can act upon so you can talk on, as our name implies, and continue and enjoy your phone. So uh, what kind of actions do you recommend when it spikes? So the two typical ones would be changing a location. Sometimes if you move a few meters away from where you are now, the radiation of your phone will go down extraordinary. This is just because of the geometry between your phone and the network. So if there's something that, some obstacle of line of sight, and you move a few feet aside, the radiation will decrease. The other uh, typical one is distancing the phone from your head. Yeah. So, loudspeaker. Yeah, loudspeaker, earpiece, uh, and so on. It's important to say that about 90% of the time, you're really in low radiation, and there are rare instances where radiation spikes. We are able to detect these rare instances and provide you very simple solutions to avoid them. And why does it spike? Okay, so the mobile phone is controlled by the network. If the tower is receiving a weak signal from your phone, it will signal your phone to increase radiation. Oh, okay. So, uh, and it changes many times ah. a second, but us as users have no indication when radiation increases and when it decreases. You can be walking in a stairwell or an elevator and then the phone will work harder to reach the tower and therefore radiation wow. will increase. That's really interesting. So it's actually not to do with the device itself, it's just to do with the network. Or do you think like with, because you know with smartphones getting, you know, they're, they're, they're everywhere at the moment and there's so much technology in them. Does, does all the technology inside of them increase radiation chances or does that matter? It's literally just to do with networks. So, so the core is the network itself, but it's important to say that phones differ in their maximum level of radiation. So you can acquire a lower emitting phone or a higher emitting phone. But that's not something advertised. <laughs> no, but I can tell you, for instance, that a BlackBerry are usually higher emitting phones. Really? iPhone okay. are average and Samsung Android phones are very low. Oh, brilliant. So okay. if you are concerned about radiation, you can buy a lower emitting phone. Uh, it's called SAR and it's a measurement of the FCC where you can see each phone, how much radiation it emits. Uh, as phones get more and more sophisticated, they're more uh, um, 
uh, transmitters in them for Wi-Fi, for Bluetooth and so on. And so where can people, people can download the app, is it? It's on uh, Google Play. It's just click uh, talk on, T-A-W-K-O-N. You can find it there and uh, nice. download it. Yeah, and Google Play. And the App Store as well, is it? No. Um, no. It's not available for the iPhone. Okay. Actually, we've developed initially the application for the iPhone. And uh, we've got rejected uh, from the App Store, claiming that the application may cause confusion with the users. Oh, of course. It's been a long story. Yeah. We have been in touch with Apple, and we also had a personal correspondence back then with Steve Jobs. Okay. Um, but we found a warm, welcoming house at Google right now, and uh, we're keeping working with them. They like what we do. And, uh, and then the Windows Store as well. You guys will probably be getting onto that. We are considering developing it for Windows Phone as well. The last interview I got in the closing hours of the Web Summit was from a quirky little gent called Howard Kingston. And I gotta say, this guy is on a mission to make people's lives happier and brighter, and I'm 100% fully behind his cause. He's managed to take an incredibly irritating experience, which we all have to do, have to encounter daily on the internet, and turned it into a fun experience with his app, Play Captcha. Howard, what is your new digital startup? Uh, well, our company's Feature Ad Labs, and our product is Play Captcha. And what is that? So when you're filling out a web form currently, there's these hard to read words at the bottom of the form that you have to fill out to prove you're a human being. The captures. They're, they're called captures, right? Yeah. And I'm yet to find anybody in the world that actually likes filling them out. They're they, so annoying because like if you're going on to Ticketmaster, there's so many times where you will think you're filling them in right and you're just not. Exactly, anyway, exactly. So yeah, and there's like 300 million of those filled out on the web every single day. Um, and we think they suck. So we have uh, got a much better solution. It, they, we gamify those and we make, instead of filling out the words, you play a little short game and they uh, prove you're human just like the words do. Uh, so that's what we do and they're branded games. So it's a new revenue stream for the, uh, for the website owner. Cool. And that's what we do. So it's just basically turning a really annoying crap experience into humorous slightly better one uh much better one much better much better one much no better. It's, it's great people are going to want to fill out forms just to hell play these yeah. games hell <laughs> yeah hell yeah yeah <laughs> thanks Howard. all right cheers, cheers. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed our special Dublin Web Summit edition of the Click Technology Show. Don't forget to enter our competition to win yourself one of Sony's latest smartphones, the Sony Xperia P. Just head to www.clickonline.com forward slash competitions and enter by answering this simple question. What did Sony Mobile used to be called? Was it A, Sony Ericsson or B, Sony Maloney? So head to clickonline.com forward slash competitions to enter and hopefully you could be winning yourself a shiny new Sony Xperia P. We'll be w picking winners for that at the end of this week also. That's it for me from this week. Unfortunately, there will be no no show next Monday as it's a bank holiday, but tune in at the same time the following week as we'll be back with more technology news and interviews. I'm Hilary Johnson. Enjoy your bank holiday, whatever you get up to. Take care.